You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. All right, and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Derek, and I am joined, as always, by your co-hosts, Kevin and Alex. Gentlemen, how we doing? Doing great, man. Football is back in full swing, right? We had the Hall of Fame game. We had DTR running all over the Jets. And, uh, you know, creating some splash plays, something for people to talk about. But uh, we're in training camp. We got, you know, a couple minor injuries. I don't think anything super serious yet. Um, so that's been a good thing. Um, draft season is either upon us or quickly coming up, depending on your level of addiction to this great game of fantasy football. Um, but, but I am doing a ton of best ball <laughs> So I'm not going to lie. I'm in a ton of them right now. So. It's been fun. I love it. It's it's my favorite time. This starts like my my stretch of favorite shows we do where it's all about drafting and why we draft and what our thoughts were and different strategies and kind of what you're looking at and 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 off to the races. So I'm all about it. I can't wait to get started. But first, uh, why don't you guys tell me how you're doing since I just rambled on? Uh, I'm good. Uh, it was fun to put like to put football on the TV, right? Like. NFL football. Uh, I did that uh, for that Hall of Fame game on Thursday. And then, um, you know, there'll be some more NFL football games. I get air quotes, air, air quotes, NFL football team. There were NFL, there were players on NFL franchises who played football uh, on Thursday. And there will be more players on NFL franchise franchises that will play football in the coming days. Uh, whether or not, I guess, as we saw from, uh, from one Sean Payton, he said that the starters are definitely going to play in the preseason uh, because they didn't last year. And we saw how well that worked out for the Denver Broncos. Uh, so um, yeah, we're going to see some more some more football coming up and yeah, training camps coming up and or training camps in full swing. Uh, I'm excited. I'm just excited to see kind of what some of these teams look like, uh, what some of these rookies look like against like competition. Right. You don't always get a good idea of how talented they actually are because sometimes they're going up against uh, lesser competition week in and week out in college. And that's nothing, you know, against there's just some differences there. Um, and uh, thank God that this is a, an NFL fantasy football uh, show, because if we were talking college football right now, what a colossal mess that is right now. What a colossal mess. <laughs> so, uh yeah, Kevin hit the hit the nail on the head that this is uh, kind of draft season and level of addiction. Um, for some of us, we never really like stopped drafting until the season started, um, and uh, have been drafting ever since the uh, the Super Bowl kind of ended there. But uh, definitely picking up, and um, it seems like I'm never not on the clock this time of year. So always a lot of fun there, um, and we've got a lot of great shows, right? Like we're going to start off with the uh, kind of the first episode right now of the uh, fantasy draft strategies there so if you got questions throw them out there love talking this thing through love going through all of that um yeah so make sure that you're hitting that up talking to us uh, about what it is that you need what you want all that kind of good stuff um 
And then make sure that you're heading over to YouTube, clicking that subscribe button, ringing that bell, getting the notifications, because we've got the player profile videos coming quick, fast, in a hurry. Right now we're releasing seven, eight videos a day over there on the YouTube channel to get y'all, uh, you know, some bite-sized videos as far as the players go and, uh, you know, what to be looking for and, you know, help you guys when you're drafting there and getting ready to draft. So make sure that you are rocking and rolling on that. Uh, real quick before we get into it, we did have a question come in on Twitter uh, earlier today. And uh, so we're going to hit that up here real quick because it talks all about draft strategy here. And uh, 5 5-0 over on you on uh, Twitter said that they have a, the 10th pick in this year's 14-person full PPR league. They're stuck between siding between Devonte Adams, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, if he's still available there, or even reach for Stefan Diggs, who to choose draft in 10th in a 14-person full PPR. Which way would you kind of recommend they roll? Um, I... If you're drafting 10th, I'm looking for Saquon or Nick Chubb. So, personally... I can fill that back on, on – I can bring that back with a Waddle, Alave, Calvin Ridley even, right? Like I think he deserves being up in that category. He's being underdrafted just a touch in most areas right now. So how I would like to play that is I would like a, a, a upper echelon running back and follow it up with a very high-end wide receiver. Um so for me at 10, I'm looking Nick Chubb, Saquon uh, are probably the guys that I'm looking at. Typically, uh, Diggs is going to be gone. I think Devontae Adams, with where he's currently going, there's a chance he might come back to you. Like it, It's been weird because of the uncertainty with him and the Raiders and Garoppolo and everything else. And there's nothing wrong with Adams, but you have a much greater shot of Adams coming back to you in the second and getting two guys that you might feel that are first-round caliber um, as opposed to doing it the other way around because those running backs will all be gone and you almost put yourself in a position where you have to go, you know, either double wide receiver or maybe reach a little bit for a quarterback to try and diversify yourself a little bit. Kelsey's going to be gone. It's too early for Andrews. And you're kind of reaching – at that spot when it comes back to you at pick, what is that? It'd be the pick 18, 19. Um, no, you said 14 team, right? Yes. Yeah. So 14. Yeah. So 18, you're kind of reaching. Maybe a Josh Jacobs comes back with where he's been sliding to, which is possible, but mm. it's, it's, it's all uncertain. Right. But I know that I know that I can grab Saquon or Nick Chubb. Those guys are, are, 95% of the time, one of the two of them is there. And then you can follow that up with a Jalen Waddle, a Chris Olave, a, um, like I said, a Calvin Ridley are the three guys that really come to mind that I'd like there. Um, on top of whoever else who, who might fall, right? Maybe Devonte Adams does fall. You can pick him up, but that is where I would lean going into a full PPR league. Maybe I give the tip to Saquon with it being a full point because he's a little bit more involved in the passing game than Nick Chubb has been. But there's really no one behind Nick Chubb this season, so it's going to be interesting to see if he gets more passing work because if he catches 40, 45 balls through the course of the season, 
that's icing on the cake because typically that's not Nick Chubb, right? Normally he catches about 20 and, and that's it. You'd have to think that there's some addition by subtraction there, huh? With, with, uh, cream hunt vacating. Um, I, I, I would add that if you don't, you know, if you miss out on those running backs, uh, it, with it being a full point PPR, a Tyree kill, uh, is available around that time in most places. So, um, I would say Tyreek Hill is is another person, you know, see if they can recreate what they had going last year in Miami with how much he was targeted and how many receptions he had. Um, and uh, I agree with you, Kevin, that you, you might be able to get Devontae Adams on the return. Um, I think Josh Jacobs would still be there uh, on, on that in that second round. So you could get a Tyreek Hill. um and a Josh Jacobs, and I think you'd, you'd probably feel pretty confident ab- about your first two picks there. You know, I'm I'm more on the let's let's go get Nick Chubb train. I've I can tell you right now, I've drafted a whole lot of drafts so far this season, coming out of the ten hole, eleven hole, twelve hole uh, type of thing in the first round. And Nick Chubb, I can usually get him there. And if not, if Nick Chubb's not there, Saquon's usually there. Like one of those two guys is typically there for me to, to be able to pick up and rock and roll with. And I'll absolutely take that one. Uh, and then couple that up with a uh, wide receiver in the second round and really just kind of start off as a balanced, um, balanced attack there. And we'll, we'll talk about a balanced uh, draft strategy here uh, later on there. As Alex likes to say, that's what they call a tease. So we'll um, we'll absolutely talk about the balanced kind of strategy there on that one. But yeah, um, you know, like I've even seen a few of these things where you can pick up, um, you know, Jalen Waddle in the second round. Like that'd be a pretty good one there. I've seen a couple of times where um, Amon Ra or Garrett Wilson have slipped a little bit into that. Now it might be tougher since you've got a fourteen-person uh, roster there or fourteen-person league where you know, they may not necessarily slide all the way back there, but. Uh, there's a good chance that you can rock and roll. Um, yeah, at worst, start off with Nick Chubb, Jalen Waddle, and that's a that's a heck of a start um, to your roster. So, I would absolutely like that one there. Hopefully, that helps you out there, guys. Any other thoughts on that question? We ready to uh, start rocking and rolling? Let's do it. All right, real quick before we do it, comments coming in. So the. Bayou Bengal Fantasy Network saying, hey, everyone, hit that like button, y'all. Thank you very much for that one. Kevin over on the YouTube say, let's go. And then we got the stacks uh, flashing some fire at us. I like that one. Uh, Leadership lesson saying that they can't wait to hear the boys' strategies. And then Kevin saying, rub, dub, chub. Um, I like it. So absolutely. Nick Chubb should do very well for you and is I think being a little underdrafted, uh, take the value y'all. Alrighty. So behind the scenes for everybody, we went through and, and cooked up, uh, some different mocks and some different strategies. And we're going to get to that here in a minute, but before we do, we're going to kind of break the ice here a little bit with some of the, uh, you know, new little segment we're going to roll out here called dude or don't, uh, basically the boys version of sleeper or bust for uh, everybody else in the uh, fantasy world. But, dude or don't and let's go ahead and start off with the dude that's the uh, sleeper that we're uh, we're looking at here and uh, alex why don't you uh, lead the way here sure all right so my dude uh this year that i think is going to uh to far far exceed uh where he is being drafted is james connor uh out of arizona there and the reason why i picked james connor is for twofold um 
Kyler's hurt, obviously, for the first couple games. Who knows how long that they stretch that out to. Uh, so I think running the football is going to be a a uh, a priority down there. It might be the only way that they're really able to move the football down there in Arizona. Uh, so Connor's coming off the board, running back 22. Overall, uh, 66th uh, is his draft, draft uh, position. So... I think he returns that value. If for nothing else, I think he has a, a fantastic first quarter to first half of the season as Kyler gets back into you know his playing playing uh, stages. That will probably carry you know James Conner into a much higher than running back twenty two finish. Uh, so my dude, even though like this shouldn't, I don't know why James Conner is going so far down. Um, there's another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later on who is also hurt that is going to lend to uh, or is hurt right now and is going to lend to the fact that the Cardinals are going to have to run the football. It's going to be their only option. So uh, I've got James Conner as my dude going into this season. Right on. Uh, so my my dude right now, guy I'm targeting, is David Montgomery. Um, he, I, I've seen him go in kind of a range here, but all range – within where David Montgomery is going, puts him in prime flex territory. Or if you're kind of waiting on running back and you decide to load up on wide receiver, it is prime for kind of your RB2 spot. Um, so David Montgomery is a guy that I've seen go anywhere from the end of the 8th to the beginning of the 11th, right? That's a big, big spread. But in, in all these specifically – best ball drafts that that I've been doing massive range. I love being able to pick him up as a third, sometimes fourth running back early. And that way I can go high upside receiver later in the draft, because if he's my fourth running back by the eighth round, I don't have to touch the position until late, late, just to kind of balance some things out. So I like it a lot. He's playing in an offense that gave Jamal Williams was it 31 goal line carries last year? 31 goal line carries. That's that's a massive opportunity for touchdowns. And Jamal Williams was able to cash in on that. I know we like Jameer Gibbs, but Jameer Gibbs is not a traditional between the tackles guy, right? He's going to get out wide. He's going to be used in passing plays. Um, we have to see what his pass pro looks like at the pro level. Um, and whether we like it or not, you can almost be certain that come week 12, there's a rookie wall that Jameer Gibbs is going to hit, right? David Montgomery hasn't hit that or doesn't have to worry about that. He's a pro. He's been, excuse me. He's been through this. He knows how to pace and condition himself for the long haul. And he's in an offense that does like to run the ball inside the five. That is going to be his calling card. Touchdown upside He's going to see more than enough carries throughout the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he saw somewhere in the neighborhood of 215, 220 carries, maybe more if the Lions are able to you know, step up their defense and kind of pull away from some of these teams instead of some track meets that they were in last year. Uh, but it is the touchdown upside that goes along with this because while Jamal Williams had 17 last year, I believe, I think David Montgomery is good for a baseline at 12 this year. And if you're getting 12 touchdowns out of a guy that you can get in the ninth or 10th round, that is a gold mine for your fantasy roster. Yeah, absolutely. Love the value that you can go and get 
David Montgomery at uh, my guy. I, I went deep into this one here all the way into the uh, ADP of about 155 out there uh, picking on wide receiver 55 here. And the guy I'm going to go with is Romeo Dobbs as the, as the dude uh, right there. So uh, he's a guy that again, right. If you're taking your shot this late on a guy and he, and he returned, like he should return value for you. Uh, this is a guy I could see potentially getting all the way up into fringe uh, wide receiver two territory when it's all said and done. Uh, this is one of those that we're going to see a little different offense than we have in green Bay the last, uh, you know, forever. So this is one that we're going to see a lot of running game to set up the pass. Uh, Jordan love in his professional career at, at quarterback here has, you know, granted very limited sample size. I get that but he's not a guy that's been throwing the ball down the field and really pushing the ball down the field on a lot of these things. One of those that he has been living and breathing in the uh, about five, six yards on, uh, you know, five, six yards of attempted air uh, or as an a dot type of thing, right? That's where he's been playing five, six yards. Romeo Dobbs does a whole lot of work, five to six yards off the line of scrimmage. So this is one of those wouldn't surprise me to see him get peppered with targets, end up leading the Packers receivers in receptions this season. May not necessarily lead them in yards, but I think he'll lead them in total receptions on this thing. And uh, he'll just be the chain mover at the wide receiver. So like this guy and like where his upside is. And with this kind of late shot, if I'm wrong, you didn't spend any capital to, to get that one wrong. So I uh, still a big fan on that one. Any other thoughts on the, sl- on the dudes that uh, I, I like the, I, I like the Romeo dubs call. I was, he was a guy that I was looking at before you put him into the show doc. I said, Dang, <laughs> for the same reason, I think he could lead the Packers in targets this year. Um, and he, I don't know that he's going to lead in touchdowns, right? Like he is going to be doing some more, it's a little bit more shorter work, but he is the he has the potential to be one of the best wide receiver twos in the league going forward, right? If Jordan Love develops correctly and Romeo Dobbs does everything well, I won't but he doesn't do anything great, right? He doesn't have great speed, he has good speed. He doesn't have great route running capabilities, he's good at route running. You know, his hands aren't great. They're good. Like, so he is a tier or two down from these top guys, but volume is your friend. And these passes have to go somewhere in Green Bay. And Romeo Dobbs, along with Christian Watson, are the two more senior members of this Green Bay wide receiver core going into their sophomore season. So uh, there's a lot to like about this. I like the return that you get on here a lot because I think there is no way Dobbs finishes below wide receiver 40 at worst, at absolute worst. And so you're already giving, you know, yourself a nice little cushion by picking him up late just as a filler and seeing if it hits. Absolutely. All righty. Let's go ahead and head on over to the don'ts. Who are you not looking to uh, put on your roster? Who's a don't for you? Alex, uh, go ahead. As an abrupt about face from what this show has been, and I, and I, I am only speaking for myself here, uh, but the guy that I am avoiding is one-time good old boys fantasy football podcast darling, DJ Moore. 
Um, he His move to Chicago has scared the ever-living out of me. Uh, he is coming off the board as wide receiver 20, overall 56th. Um, I don't think he finishes wide receiver 20. I don't even know that he finishes in wide receiver two, which is 24 territory. So uh, I I do not believe that the passing game is effective there in Chicago. I know that there are reports out there that Justin Fields throwing motion is everything that it's expected to be. I don't believe it. They have really good running backs. Um, they have plenty of options there uh, through the air. Um, you've got uh, uh, Cole Komet there uh, as as your tight end. You've got Robert Tanya. You've got Mercedes Lewis on the roster. Those are big targets, and they're fast, short routes for a quarterback that doesn't throw the football. So uh, I think that there, there are other options for Justin Fields should he get a pass off, um, and it's not going to be to DJ Moore. So I am avoiding DJ Moore like the plague. Yeah, you were definitely speaking for yourself on that one. The opinions of Alex Egan are not based off of good old <laughs> content. Please <laughs> take it with the grain. No, no, no. It's fine. Derek and I differ on that. We were talking about that pre-show. But, but you know, it, all that's fine, well, and good. We'll get into this on a later day. Um, but for the bus, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, mainly because I'm not going to pick a guy to be my – second or third wide receiver and just hope things kind of click by the end of the year. Like at that point, I'm not, I'm not going to give you six weeks of freebies if I'm drafting you in the first five or six rounds, I expect you to be on the field and I expect you to be productive or producing for my fantasy football team. And since we don't know when Kyler's taking the field, I don't know if I'm ever taking Marquise Brown this season. Um, I've actively avoided him. I've pivoted into different directions. The skill set isn't bad. We saw when Kyler was healthy and when Nuke Hopkins was out last year that he can be a number one guy, right? Marquise Hollywood Brown had a great first half of the season last year. Great first half. Then the ankle injury, or excuse me, then Nuke Hopkins came back and then the ankle injury came and it fell off a cliff. Um, so this isn't completely on Brown, but I don't trust anyone not named Kyler to force feed him the ball. And I don't know where they're going to generate offense in Arizona. If, if Kyler has any type of setback, right? It was a late season injury. So if he has any type of sit, setback or if the Cardinals are just going to play cautious with him because they paid him a lot of money last year, um, whatever have you, your shares of Marquise Brown, you're going to be very frustrated with him. So to circumvent that, I am actively avoiding Hollywood Brown. And I am perfectly happy if I'm wrong about this. Okay, but I'm betting the guys that I might be pivoting to are probably going to be just as productive as he was going to be as a one-trick pony, as the Cardinals offense would be as a one-trick pony, not necessarily Brown specifically, because I do like his game. I just don't love it with question marks at quarterback, question marks at offensive line. The defense is getting older. All the red flags here are saying, do not draft me. Yeah, I uh, yes, it pains me to, to see that, that name on there. But uh, 
Regardless, my uh, my don't on this one is Debo Samuel coming off the board, uh, ADP of 42, wide receiver 16. Uh, this is a guy that we covered a couple of weeks ago when we hit up the Niners. This is a guy that I I think could he, he'll either be second or third on the team when it comes to uh, targets this season. I, I think what we're going to see a lot of what we got last year repeated itself this year. Um, I'd rather have his teammate going several rounds behind him and Brandon Ayuk, uh, who I think will actually outperform Debo Samuel and fantasy points when it's all said and done. So this is a guy that I am uh, actively avoiding uh, when it's on the clock and, and making sure uh, so much so to the point that uh, I ended up, ended up missing a, anyway, uh, story behind that one. I'm I'm actively avoiding Debo Samuel in uh, in fantasy drafts this season, especially where you're having to take him as like your second wide receiver in a lot of cases. No, thank you. All right, so this is one of those moments of the show where we get off in the weeds. But am I the only one who, when they hear Brandon Ayuk's name, thinks of Street Fighter? No, like that's the only thing I yeah that's the only thing I think. I like Brandon Ayuk just fine. That doesn't help to be the target leader, but every time someone says his name, all I think of is Street Fighter. And it doesn't help because one of our good friends and league mates, Craig, uh, his cell phone, his text message alert tone was the Hadouken for many, many years uh, before everybody put their cell phones on on silent uh, and you could buy ringtones or whatever. He had the Hadouken, and that is exactly what I think of every time. Sorry. Like, you're absolutely correct. Okay. I just had to put that up yes. to the uh, pod, pod sphere. Is that is that the term? Whatever there you we're go. going with. There we go. In Into the tubes. Yeah. So, all righty. So, any other thoughts here on the uh, the don'ts before we move on into some draft strategy? No, I think I think they're all I think they're all justified. I think out of the six guys that we each went through, uh, for me personally, I have probably the biggest differing opinion with DJ Moore. But like we said earlier, like it, it, that's fine. Like you have to have guys that you're willing to say this is not what I'm looking for, right? And we may not all agree on what those guys are. And that's perfectly fine. Alex has his list. There might be some guys that I'm like, I'm not going near this guy. And Alex is like, yes, yeah, I, I believe in this situation and I'm willing to take, take that on. So everybody has a list. Um, it'll be interesting as we kind of get into further drafting. Right. And, and again, a little peek behind the curtain, we'll start talking about tiers and to really figure out where and what tier we think DJ Moore is going to fit into and how we classify those as far as who we draft in likeness around him, right? Like if you're liking a, and they're taken, will you pivot to DJ Moore or do you pivot somewhere else? Right. Absolutely. And so this is, you know, maybe a little bit of a hot take here, but you know, we've seen several quarterbacks coming into their third year take that giant leap where it just kind of falls into place. The offense clicks, the situation clicks, and we see these guys, uh, you know, really just kind of take off, especially for fantasy. Uh, and they were already good for fantasy because they provided the rushing baseline, but the arm and the uh, the way that they were using the offense clicked in. Not going to surprise me if we look up and, and we see Justin Fields um, at the end of the season in that category as well. So I think that he is the quarterback making the third-year leap, and I think DJ Moore is going to be the beneficiary of that one as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that one, but, 
Yeah, I I can definitely t- I can definitely tell you as a guy that had DJ Moore on several rosters last year, it was tough sledding having to go that that route each week, and I can understand people uh, that may have been burnt by that one and not want to go that one again. So, uh, anyway, each their own. All righty, any other thoughts there? Are we uh, ready to get into some draft strategies? Let's do it. Okay. All right, Kevin, we're going to have you start us off here with the uh, different types of draft strategies. And you were kind of rocking the uh, the bully RB or the uh, the RB heavy strategy. Why don't you take us away? Yeah, so um, it was it was just, again, depending on where, you, where you're at in the draft, depending kind of how what, what things fall to you without forcing the draft, right, is, is kind of what we're at. But overall, the, the RB – heavy strategy is is just that it is one where you are looking to make your i guess your 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 roster based off of heavy top end rb involvement right and you're not just trying to spread it out a little bit so guys that you know you're you're looking at there you're typically drafting at the back end of the first round is typically where you're drafting. You can do it in the middle, um, but it's really hard to do at the front, right? Just It's hard to do it if you're taking McCaffrey second or third overall and then feeling confident about what that looks like if you go RB heavy-ish, but on the back end, it's super easy. So guys, I'm targeting on the back end. Um, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Bijan in round one. Right. Those, those are kind of the three guys that if you're drafting 10, 11, 12, one of those three guys is it's not a guarantee, but will most likely fall to you. So that's kind of how you're starting out your roster. Um, what I did in this particular draft is instead of handcuffing myself to chasing wide receivers as much. When the second round came around, I took the best wide receiver that I felt felt like was left on the board. So in the second round, I took um, I took Alan Ross St. Brown um, to kind of at least start me out with. I know I have my one guy in each position group, and then it was kind of maybe not off to the races, but then I was looking for RBs to build out my roster with RBs. So, um, Holy cow. Is that mine there on the left, Derek? It looks like yep. it. So Nick yep, Chubb, Joe Mixon, Kenneth Walker, um, Jamal Williams. So I guess, and it goes in that round or so Nick Chubb, I went St. Brown in the second. And then in the third and fourth, I went back to back RB Mixon and Walker. So at that point, my two starting spots and my flex are essentially covered. Right. And so then because I grabbed those three positions in my first four rounds, then you can kind of balance it out through the rest of the draft. So then I went through, grabbed Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver too. I'm actually pretty happy with that. Like in in the grand scheme of things, knowing that I'm top end heavy with Nick Chubb being the only guy in Cleveland, Joe Mixon being really the only show in Cincinnati and Kenneth Walker, who has big play upside Yes, more of a timeshare than what we thought before they drafted uh, Zach Charbonnet. But still, home run capability. We saw it last year, and I still think he's going to see first crack in this Seattle offense. So, you know, two guys who are solely 
the guys, big volume base running backs, and then a home run threat as my third running back. I like that. And then to have St. Brown and Ayuk as my wide receivers there, just kind of, it makes me happy. And I'm sorry if I do this, I'm trying to, there we go. And then drop down. And then James Cook. James Cook is a guy that's been receiving a lot of run out of Buffalo, right? We've been hearing a lot of good things out of him um, with the injury to um, – why am I now struggling with this? Um, the C-do injury for um, – Hines. Yes, Naeem Hines. Thank you. Sorry. This um, kind of opens the door even more for James Cook. Yes, Damian Harris is still there, but you really haven't heard a word out of him. Like, I still don't mind Harris late to try and kind of handcuff that if that's what I'm looking for as part of the Buffalo offense. But James Cook is a guy who I have full confidence in drafting and being able to plug him in as a possible flex play or fill in on bye weeks. Followed that up with Jamal Williams, right? There's a lot of running back here. But after that Jamal Williams pick in the eighth, in the eighth, which, to be completely honest, I like the pick. I had underdog best ball on the brain, and my wife and I were driving out to Kansas, so she was reading me names, and she just said Jay Williams. And I was like, oh, Javante's there in the eighth? Yeah, grab it. And then I looked at it. I was like, wait, so what's it say next to his name? She said, No. <laughs> I said, like, N-O? She goes, yes. I'm like, okay, wrong guy, but okay. I'll still take it, especially with um, Alvin Kamara being out the first few weeks of the season. He'll see plenty of run there. So after that, I didn't take another running back, right? Like, first eight picks, my running backs are done. And then it's filling in with some upside guys. Cortland Sutton playing the X in Sean Payton's offense. I like that. Elijah Moore pairing that up with Deshaun Watson. I like that combination, and he's been getting a lot of good run out of camp, a lot of really good things being said about him. His stock is on the rise. Um, Tyler Higby, tight end who you can grab a little bit later if you're waiting on tight end with high upside. We've seen him perform well in this McVay offense, and Matthew Stafford likes him and trusts him. I grabbed a second quarterback because I like the fact that if, for whatever reason, Deshaun Watson falters, not that we think he will, but if he doesn't show the improvement that we all expect him to, I have a quarterback on who had a really good year last year. The offense is the exact same. So he's able to come in. He knows the offense command it. And I have his number one receiver. So I get that little stack right there that I like. And then Gerald Everett, this is my dream tight end com combination if we're waiting on tight end is Higby and Everett both, because then you can just play the hot hand and you could basically run your whole season with just the two of them and you're good. And then a defense to round it out, whatever, but ideally RB heavy, like we went through all my RBs are taken care of in the first eight rounds. I have five running backs in the first eight rounds. Is that right? One, two, three. Yeah. Five in the first eight, and then I'm done. And then you worry about depth. You worry about high upside. You pick up your tight end or tight ends because you waited on them, and you're off to the races. Because right now, my 
combination of running backs. I can use them. I can pair them up and trade, right? I can pair James Cook and and Jamal Williams or James Cook and Kenneth Walker even and try and trade into a better receiver situation if something happens or both those guys are going to get enough run that if one of my top guys go down, I'm not going to be hemorrhaging. I'll be bleeding, but I'm not going to be hemorrhaging. All righty. Um, and it, so what was some of the, the biggest, uh, like, were there any guys that you, you wish that you could have pulled the trigger on that, that maybe just didn't, the draft didn't quite fall your way, anything like that? Um, well, so Javante, Javante went earlier than where I had seen him go. I think it's probably closer to where his actual, where his actual ADP is. Derek, I think you're the one who grabbed him. Um, and again, it's just mentally changing over between leagues. Like I probably didn't do a good enough job thinking about that, but, um, at that point at the beginning or no, I wasn't going to grab him in the fourth. Right. So I wasn't going to take him. I wasn't going to take him over my need, uh, or not my need, over Kenneth Walker at that moment. I thought he'd slide. And then you grabbed him at the top, so I just grabbed quarterback at the bottom, right, is kind of how that felt. So he was one. Um, I think depending – just because how it shaked out, uh, Alex, you grabbed Montgomery right before I grabbed James Cook, right? Like I was going to go Monty. You picked him up. Good pick on you. So that's when I pivoted over to James Cook. I'm happy with both of them. I probably would have hit yes on Monty over James Cook at that point, but that's okay. Um, and then why do we both have Deshaun Watson on our roster? That's uh, that's your single and your super flex. No, my single and my super flex. Sorry, we'll um, get to the super flex later. We'll, yeah, sorry. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll touch on the the single QB first. And so, uh, so yeah, so not many. Like overall, I, I am happy with it, right? Like I. I really felt like I could go RB heavy in a roster like this and compete. But I think that had I not gone St. Brown and I would have pushed the issue a little bit, right? Like if I would have turned around and gone Josh Jacobs or, or something like that in the early second, I think I would have had a really hard time chasing wide receiver. And I probably would have had to make some moves that I wouldn't have wanted to in a 14 round draft with a kicker and a defense, right? Like I, I, in deeper drafts, you can do that and kind of get away with it because there's, there's opportunities late, but essentially if I would have given up St. Brown, then I'm chasing like Isaiah Hodgins, um, Terrence Marshall, uh, Paris Campbell, like guys late in drafts that, you know, you're hoping Excel, right? Like I probably have to pull the trigger on, um, Romeo Dobbs earlier than where he was going just to make sure I had a receiver on my roster. Um, but then I have to basically in turn, then I'm giving up Elijah Moore, Tyler Higby, I think is kind of where he went in this draft or something, you know, something of that nature. So I am happy with how it went. I'm not going to say it's a perfect draft. I think there's always room for improvement, but as this, as this sits in front of me and as I'm looking at it, I have a, I have a mini stack of my quarterback and one of their wide receivers. So I like that. 
And I like the fact that it's diverse enough that I'm not necessarily pinned to any one situation. And I have enough talent that I think I can trade my way into a better situation if I have to, right? If somebody's quarterback goes down, I can trade Goff or Watson and get a piece back, right? It may not be a lot of pieces, but maybe it's a one-for-one deal that kind of helps both if they're stacked at receiver. And I have, you know, two top 12 quarterbacks, then I'm able to kind of move around that way. So overall, I am happy with it. All righty. All right, Alex, let's rock and roll a uh, zero RB approach. You uh, you took that one on. Yeah, and and realistically, this I think this – this strategy works really well if you are picking somewhere in the middle uh, in in your draft. I think that um, ideally, if you're going to go zero RB, the reason that you do that is because you get a shot at Travis Kelsey, right? Like that's that's like the one guy. If you've got a shot at Travis Kelsey, I think you can really base your entire draft, uh, an entire draft strategy on whether or not you get this one dude. So. Um, in the single quarterback league, I was able to nab Kelsey. I was picking in the sixth spot. I was able to nab Kelsey and uh, I turned around and, I, you know, I, I thought, we'll go for it here. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback available for us. I like the stack of him and Kelsey. Um, I'm not afraid to pull the trigger on Patrick Mahomes in the second round there. And I'm glad I did because the the there were two quarterbacks that went right after him uh, that the computer took um, that made me feel really comfortable with with Patrick Mahomes. Um, uh, and then I went crazy on wide receiver. Uh, I went Devontae Smith, uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, which I really like Calvin Ridley there in the fourth. Um, and I know when we were drafting this, the fifth pick was the one that gave me the most pause. Um, I, my options were. Uh, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, or Christian Watson. And I, I texted you guys while we were doing this. And I said, I'm not comfortable with the quarterback situation for any of those guys. Um, so I went with the guy that, you know, I have a little bit more, I guess, safety with, uh, in my opinion. And I went with Christian Watson there. Um, back that up with Tyler Lockett. And so now I have, uh, I have picked, I've got, not only do I have my top wide receivers, my tight end and my quarterback, I have a guy I can fit into a flex if I want uh, with Tyler Lockett, uh, who I think still has uh, a role in that Seattle offense, uh, despite them drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba, and dis- despite DK Metcalf being there, and despite them drafting Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker being there. I still think that Tyler Lockett has a role. So I've got my starting wide receiver spots and a flex spot if I'm, if I, care for it uh already all spoken for and then i went ham on on running backs and was honestly surprised at the quality of running back that i could get not having made a running back pick until the seventh round um my first running back that i took was david montgomery followed that up with aj Dillon and aj Dill- I, I know that aj Dillon's kind of a, a gamble play um if anything he is a flex play in my opinion because you don't know if he's going to get the work right. He might, he, he's kind of touchdown dependent. Um, like he, he will be your goal line guy. It just, it just depends there. Um, another guy that I think has ter- tremendous upside is Devon A chain there in Miami, whether or not that clicks right away or it takes a few weeks or whatever. 
Um, that's a guy that I like there. Um, same with Dante Foreman um, in Chicago. I think that he's got a, a good a good ch- chance of being the top running back there if if Khalil Herbert doesn't, you know, for whatever reason that doesn't work. So a lot of these, yes, I'm taking some swings here um, on these running backs because I didn't pick anybody on the high end, but I think that there's there's some pretty high upside. At least that's the lie I've convinced myself uh, while I've put together this roster. Uh, and then uh, a kicker and a defense. All right. I like it. Um, anything that uh, may have came as a, like a shock to you when you were going through that? Uh, no. And honestly, like, you know, I've never, I, I typically am a, a balanced draft drafter. Uh, I, I try to find, you know, guys that, that will fill, you know, spots as they come to me. Like I'm not going to, you know, shoehorn myself into having one strategy or another. I, you know, I'm very reactionary and try to be uh, proactive to it, but this was very refreshing because it narrowed my scope and it allowed me to just focus in on my position groups of need, um, which I thought was great. Uh, it, it was really nice. It allows you to focus on getting uh, positional advantages early um, and you're allowed to get some of these guys early because you, you haven't wasted your time trying to get um, maybe some some um, some value uh, at other positions. So at, at specifically at the running back spot. So um, the, the thing that I did think that was tough uh, was trying to determine when do I go get that first running back? And, and, and honestly, that that pick after Christian Watson, uh, that was that was a really tough one. I could have gone um, in lieu of Tyler Lockett. The next running back that came off the board was Isaiah Pacheco and Javante Williams. I thought that Lockett was probably a better value there. Uh, Cam Akers had come off just in front of that pick, so it kind of made that pick for me Um, that I was going to have to go with a Tyler Lockett there or some other receiver because – at that point, you're reaching you're, you're reaching too much for a running back, and um, there's no need to do that when you've already gained what I consider to be really big positional advantages um, in the first three or four picks. I thought this turned out really well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very pleased with the first two, and felt like I was just cruising from there. <laughs> I think I, I think the only thing inherently that I would have done different personally is I would have gone with Rashad Penny over A.J. Dillon because of the offense that he plays in, and it's a bit safer of a floor knowing that you have to have this guy play week in and week out. Yeah, like that's a, that's a great point. But other than that, Penny also comes with an injury risk, so you, you have to balance that out too. Like A.J. Dillon – like he's been nicked, but he hasn't ever, but he hasn't really gone down. We've seen Penny go down for all sorts of kind of fluky reasons, almost right. Like it's not constantly soft tissue stuff. Like this is this like you know broken leg and and you know kind of some weird things like that. So I don't I don't hate it by any stretch. But as I'm looking through this, like that's kind of as you're going through things. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the one that I would instantly choose different to build my running back room but in this exercise like i'm so stinking running back centric that (laughs) yes gimme 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 right like it's just kind of one of those things yeah and probably the only one that i would have changed out would have been the 
uh, Tyler Lockett one for Javante Williams, like who went who went you know, a few picks after after you on that one, right after Pacheco did. But like overall, like looked really really good and uh, was definitely one of those that uh, yeah, as the draft started going on. Uh, you started sniping uh, a few of those guys there, and uh, really kind of well, taking a few guys off of the uh, off of the uh, roster and off of the uh, ability for me to draft them when I was drafting behind you. So I mean, realistically, uh, you know, at a certain point, you you have to you have to draft running back. So like like it, again, it just kind of made up the decision for me. It's like you you got to get these now, so you need to do that. Yeah, and, and I think you summed it up perfectly at the very beginning, right? Like. If you were going Travis Kelsey, you almost have to just concede the fact that you're going zero RB. Yeah. Right. And it's okay. Especially, I love that Mahomes Kelsey stack. Like, if you're <laughs> able to get that, that's just fun, right? Like, I was able to put together a best ball team that just finished up drafting where I got, um, I got Mahomes. Kelsey, or I went Kelsey, then Mahomes, and then later on I got Pacheco, and then deep in the draft um, I took uh, Valdez Scantling. Like I'm totally banking this best ball league on the Chiefs' ability to just put up points, but I feel like I have it from everywhere, so I'm always going to be getting points when the Chiefs score. But it's fun, right? Like it's completely different. It's a little bit harder in redraft best ball. It's nice because you don't have to worry about you know, the bad weeks in, in redraft you do, but it is kind of fun to be locked into one team. Like then you're not just constantly scoping red zone for how your players are doing. You're, you're just kind of watching and you, you almost become a mini chiefs fan in this instance for the season, because as they go, so does your fantasy team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as tight end quarterback stacks, there isn't one better in the league. No, not even close. (laughs) No. Not even in the same ballpark. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and kick off the balanced um, draft draft strategy. I took the balanced side of things. And some of the pros on drafting a balanced roster is you're never you're never really chasing the runs, right? Like you're able to to just kind of sit and, and you know, pick your spot and, and go how you how you want to go on that one, right? So you can end up with very solid roster construction. Uh, you know, and since you're not having to chase um chase positions, chase players, chase that those tiers. Uh, you're able to, to stick to your tiers easier and and really draft them cleaner on that one there. So uh, some of the cons though is there's you know, if you really stick to a balanced roster and balanced draft strategy, you may look you may miss out on some of those positions of power type of things like really kind of to set off a you know, positional advantage for yourself by doing that one, just because of how you're going through and, and targeting that one. Now, uh, your players that I'm going to be looking at to, to target early on this one is going to be, you know, on a balance. I'm going to be looking at like a Nick Chubb, a Garrett Wilson, uh, Najee, Justin Jefferson. Like I'm going to be looking at a lot of those kind of guys there uh, in the mid rounds. I'm going to be looking at, uh, you know, uh, Guys like Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, even a Jerry Judy type type of uh, guy to go after there. Um, and I'm going to be looking at the quarterbacks kind of in that on that tail end of the mid draft, uh, like the mid rounds into the late rounds, and looking at you know Watson to a Dak kind of in that ninth, tenth type of round there. And late, I'm going to shoot my shot on those those uh, 
tight ends late. And if I can do that pairing that Kevin talked about earlier with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, I'm going to feel like I walked away from the draft with tight end already set uh, like I drafted that early. So when I was going through that thing, I was drafted at the very first 101 on these guys here. And 101, uh, yeah, I, had, I took Justin Jefferson. I, I am not in any leagues where I really have a shot at Justin Jefferson, anything like that. So took the shot there, uh, get the, uh, you know, get the explosive high upside, uh, you know, high floor type of wide receiver there. Coupled that back when it came back to me in the second, took Najee Harris, right? So started wide receiver, running back, were very balanced in the third. Jalen Waddle was there. I'm going to smash yes on that one and uh, allow him to be my second wide receiver. And then I've uh, coupled that up with J.K. Dobbins. So I definitely like the up uh, the upside on. Uh, it'll be nice when he uh, when we get you know him returning to practice. And we start getting the reports on that one there. Uh, followed that up in the fifth and the sixth with uh, – Miles Sanders and Tua Tungvaloa and uh, then uh, Michael Pittman. So, you know, at this point, you know, we're through you know, six, seven rounds now, and we've gone three wide receivers, three running backs, and we've got our quarterback in there as well. This one, uh, you know, got to a point and saw Evan Ingram hanging out there. Decided I'd go a little bit, uh, you shoot the shot on that one a little bit early with that one. Went for a guy that, you know, we're going to take his, take a shot, a stab and see what Michael Thomas can do there. Couple that up with Romeo Dobbs, who, you know, is on my, on the, the, my dude list this year, Tyler Algier, Justin Tucker, 49ers tank Bigsby is that last round. Uh, really, this was one of those when you're drafting at the first, you've got to make your decision when you get down in there for the last three rounds of your draft on, do you want to get whatever's left to you coming back on the kicker on the, um, on the defense there because everybody's going to typically go defense and kicker in rounds. You know, uh, this is a 14 round draft. So 13 and 14 type of thing. Now, do you shoot your shot there to try and get out ahead of that and try and get a little bit of a positional advantage there? Uh, You know, even as small as it might be and get a guy like Justin Tucker, get a guy like, uh, and then pick up like the Niners defense. And that's what I did here was instead of waiting to do that, take a shot deep on a, uh, on a guy that's, you know, Tank Bigsby potential, potential upside, you know, that kind of stuff. And if it doesn't pan out, he's the first cut candidate to, to go after the waiver wire on that one there. So that's kind of how I played that one out, walked away with this one, feeling really, really good about it. Um, you know, really didn't have anything out there that I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I wish I had done that a little bit different. Uh, but overall felt pretty good about this roster construct. How close do you have Najee and Stevenson? Pretty close. Pretty pretty close on that one. Um, I like the volume that I think Najee is going to see more so on the just on a floor side of things. I think Ramadre Stevenson has a higher upside on it, but I think Najee probably has a little bit safer floor. And that was one of those when I was going through that because that was definitely in that ballpark on where I where I would go there. I went with the fact that I. I'm having to have this as my first running back. I took the guy that I thought would have a little bit of a higher floor on that one. Whereas you know, Stevenson, I think has the higher upside took the safer floor uh, in my opinion on that. one. I'd have been scratching my head on that one for a minute. I did. I, <laughs> I did. And that was, that was literally the decision that I made was just take the guy that has the higher floor. Since I, since I'm drafting, what is likely going to be a back end RB one high end RB two type of 
type of guy, right? Like that's probably where both of those guys finish. So um, Najee's probably a little bit more safer week to week on a volume play than uh, than what I think Ramadre's going to be. So any uh, any other thoughts, any other questions you guys had on this one? How uh, I know the back end of the draft, right? But uh, at the at the front end of the draft, right? You get to start out with Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's more of an advantage, disadvantage, or are you kind of neutral about how the rest of your draft goes after that? It's it's kind of one of those that you're playing hero wide receiver a little bit, even at that point, right? Like you're, you're taking a guy that should be able to set that off and, and get that going. Um, the fact that I was able to, to couple that up with another guy that um, in Jalen Waddle there in the third to help round out that position group to the point where, you know, I could kick the can farther down the road on, uh, on additional wide receivers there for depth and things like that. And really focus the next couple of rounds on running back really made me feel pretty good about that one. So the, you know, one of those that if I was, if I had gone, um, you know, running back, running back, which was definitely in the thought process and almost went the Najee Ramadre Stevenson uh, route there in the second and third. Um, I was not necessarily wanting to bank my wide receiver two on the guys that would have fallen back to me. Um, yeah. Being the Drake London, uh, Jerry Judy, I probably would have been okay with, uh, Christian Watson, Terry McLaurin, like uh, the yeah DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk. I I want DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk as my third wide receiver, not necessarily my second wide receiver uh, type of thing. I want them more as the depth piece there, the depth play there, where I don't ha- I'm not necessarily really locked into starting them the first couple of weeks. But uh, the way that the drafts have been falling, really really liking what's available in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds as far as drafts go for the running back position there. And so that's why I I went with Waddle, a guy that I I feel like could really kind of cement the wide receiver room and then kick that can on down the road, uh, you know, another five, six rounds type of thing before I started looking at depth for the wide receiver position. That's good. Should we talk, uh, should we talk how things kind of changed a little bit for the super flex? Absolutely. Uh, because it, it it was it was quite different. It was it was quite different. I thought Derek Superflex roster crushed. Yeah, he did a really good job. Like so, I thought your Superflex roster was a crushed draft. Like I uh, I walked away from that one feeling phenomenal on that. And so on the Superflex side of things, we'll just go in reverse order. So um, I'll I'll rock this one, then we'll go back to Alex, and we'll finish up with uh, with Kevin on the super flex side of things here. So, for the balance side of things on a super flex, right? Like again, I'm not chasing runs. I'm going after just a balanced balanced roster construction. That way, when I'm getting to you know each one of these guys, I can really take what I think is kind of the best player available um, for that one without having to necessarily worry about you know. Am I, am I going to put myself in a position where next round or the next two or three rounds, I have to go after a guy in this position type of thing to, to be able to compete on that one. So again, drafted out of the one one how can you not take Patrick Mahomes there with the one-on-one and a super flex? So uh, smashed. Yes. Move on. And then came back to me in the second round. Garrett Wilson was hanging out there. I said, yes, please. Let's go ahead and rock and roll that one. Nick Chubb was also there. I said, yes, please again. And uh, did that. And that's one of those that those are two guys in a, you know, in like a single QB league. 
when I get to the I'm drafting at the back end of the first. A lot of times I love taking that pairing of Wilson Chubb and moving on there. But so the fact that they fell all the way to me into the uh, second and third round there to start it off, uh, went that route and and did it Uh, by the fourth round, the quarterbacks had, um, you know, kind of thinned out pretty decent there. So I, I took a guy in Aaron Rodgers who has been pretty consistently good uh, for fantasy there. And I, I'm willing to take that shot as my second QB in a uh, super flex there. Calvin Ridley was still sitting there in the fifth. Um, yep. Went that way. And then I was able to get Brandon Ayuk on the, as my third wide receiver here. So now I'm sitting here with, you know, two wide receivers, two, uh, two quarterbacks, one running back. Uh, I'm sorry, three, three wide receivers, two, two quarterbacks, one running back. And then I'm looking at some of these things and the really, really enjoyed the way that the draft had fallen to this point, as far as running backs go and which I was able to go, uh, Javante Williams, Antonio Gibbs, AJ Dillon, Rashad Penny kind of through the next four rounds and really fill out that roster position and felt really good about that. Cortland Sutton was there. Absolutely loved that pick as my fourth wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs as a fifth wide receiver, and then picked up Desmond Ritter, as the third quarterback, just to give me some depth on that one. Cause when you're playing super flex, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've essentially got zero picked up my third there and then made the same decision. When I got into the, uh, you know, the last three rounds there, do I spend, do I, do I pull it like a round early on kicker wide uh, kicker and defense said, yes, went that way. And then uh, ended up taking Jalen Hyatt as the high upside guy on that one. And then once the draft was done, I realized that I forgot to uh, draft a tight end there, which can happen some of these times. But uh, so the first roster move was immediately to drop Jalen Hyatt, pick up uh, Juwan Johnson as the tight end there. And uh, yeah, still felt really, really good about this overall uh, draft. What questions, thoughts did you guys have on this one? I mean, even realistically, you're 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 streaming tight end at that point, right? right. Like it's it's a streaming option. So, uh, the first of many drops to add a tight end, I'm sure, uh, in that season. Uh, at any point in this draft, did you feel like uh, you were stuck? Yeah. No, I I felt no, like either. I was, I felt like I was just able to maneuver in and out and and really go because I had kind of just solidified how I had. Uh, how I had gone and, and really was able just to take the, take the draft as the board fell to me. Yeah. I, I thought you crushed this for, for this exercise and seeing where things oh, fell. I was good. Yeah. Like you said, it, maybe, maybe you'd like to remember tight end, right. And, 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 you know, <laughs> possibly do something different there. Maybe take Ingram at the, in the ninth instead of Dylan, if you're thinking about it or, or maybe you, give up on Dobbs and, and go a different route, I suppose. But uh, other than that, so what? I mean, you're going to be streaming tight end. Anything after Evan Ingram, you're pretty much going to be stringing, streaming tight end to see what you can get anyway. So I, yeah, I it would have really impressed with how this fell. Yeah, probably. Gracefully into your hands. Probably the only the, – the move I would have made for tight end would have probably been – um, instead of taking Cortland Sutton there in the 11th, probably taking my shot on Higby or Everett uh, right there, or even Cole Komet in that, uh, mm. in that round 11 and gone that route. But, um, you know, again, right. Like, and we'll talk more about tiers next week when we get heavily into that. Uh, there's not a huge difference there 
as far as the uh, the tiers and how I'm going to have to run a season and, and all of that if I'm going commit Higby Everett. Like realistically, I got to get two um, two of those three guys, and there's two guys I really want to go with in that mixture. Um, and if not, and if I'm not able to get two of those three guys, I've got to stream the position. And so by missing out on on those guys, I'm just streaming the position, and I'll start that uh, start that off with Juwan Johnson and move along from there. Alrighty, Alex, let's go ahead and hit up that zero RB strategy here. Yeah, and so for as good as I felt with uh, in the in the single quarterback, I, I I don't feel all warm and fuzzy about this one um, because you know I'm, I'm going zero RB here. Um, I I feel like I nailed the first four picks, uh, and then after that, this draft kind of started to get away from me a little bit, um, and it felt like I was chasing positions at that point. So um, uh, I, I led things off. I was picking in the sixth spot again. Um, and I led things off with Jalen Hurts because uh, you have to get quarterback here in that first round because um, you're about to lose out on any positional advantage if you don't uh, in that sixth spot. Because uh, after Derek took uh, Patrick Mahomes, it went Josh, Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and then I was I was there to pick Jalen Hurts, which honestly I'm a little surprised that I was able to pick Jalen Hurts. Um, I think the, the computer uh, for not r- recognizing what I think we all recognize, which is that Jalen Hurts is the third best quarterback um, available uh, in, in the draft. Um, so – I went Jalen Hurts and then um, picked up Tyreek Hill and Chris Olave, um, Devonta Smith there in the fourth round. Um, and then I recognize that this is probably where the draft kind of got away from me, but there was a, there was a little bit of a, a, a giddiness in my, in my selection here. Anthony Richardson was still available and in a super flex league, you know, I figured I already had, you know, I already had a, a good, safe quarterback option with Jalen Hurts that I felt like I could gamble a little bit here and take Anthony Richardson. And what it did was it kind of set off another quarterback run, which may not have happened, um, but uh, it did it did set off a little quarterback run, which which pretty much solidified that those were going to be the only two guys that I was going to get at the quarterback position. Um, save for somebody that I grabbed super late. Um, but I, I like the idea of pairing Anthony Richardson up with somebody safe. Um, but I think that you also need to make sure that, that you can have another option. Should this Anthony Richardson ex- experience or experiment, whichever way you want to go with it, uh, doesn't work for you. Um, in the, in the super flex. Um, I, I I'm okay with my, with my running back picks here. Um, I pick up my first running back in round six and Damian Pierce, uh, Alexander Madison, and then Rashad white are picks, uh, in the uh, sixth round, seventh round and eighth round. I'm okay with all of those picks. Uh, nothing, you know, too great about it. I think I took Pat Fryermuth probably, uh, a little too early, uh, and then at this point, I'm just trying to fill in uh, and taking it. I almost got to like a best available uh, at this point and uh, grabbed a Michael Thomas, Damien Harris, Dante Foreman. Um, here's where I grabbed my third quarterback as a 
as a backup backup <laughs> uh, for Anthony Richardson and Sam Howell. Um, I grabbed a Jonathan Mingo and then my defense and a kicker, um, which happens to be Dicker the kicker. Um, uh, just and, and and I'll say this, I'll say this uh, once, and I'll say it again. Uh, indoor kickers that play a majority of their games indoors are are much more valuable <laughs> than kickers that do not. Uh, just just keep that in mind. Indoors, whether climate controlled uh, football is a lot easier on a kicker than not. Um, Justin Tucker would disagree. Justin Tucker is an exception to the rule. Uh, <laughs> so that's the this this draft. I, I don't feel so so great about it i felt like the the single quarterback things things just worked out really well and this one it just felt like i think i i didn't get any positional advantages really anywhere outside of maybe getting jalen hurts in the sixth spot yeah it's tough drafting in the middle is tough right I, i think i would much prefer either end um, than being in that six, seven, eight range. Like right. that is, and, yes. and I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that, but I think it's, it's easier if Travis Kelsey is there, like that, <laughs> realistically, in like single it, quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, even in super flex, it's, you know, the good thing is being in the middle, you can never, you never miss out on a run. Right. But you're also right. always, like you're never the instigator almost when you're in the middle of the draft. Like you don't ever get to dictate terms. Yeah. Yeah. That one was, that was really difficult. The Anthony Richardson pick set off, I think three or four more quarterbacks, which was really, you know, not ideal. Um, that, that, that's what that set off. And honestly, that run was only stopped because Kevin, uh, put a stop to it, uh, <laughs> and drafted a wide receiver. Um, Otherwise, I, I think that that run probably would have really, really done me in. Um, so, like, I did kind of set off that domino effect, and I kind of wish I wouldn't have because uh, it did a little shoehorn me the rest of the way. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, if I was if I was you sitting in there, I, I would have probably gone a different route on that Anthony Richardson pick because you had uh, Joe Mixon still hanging out there, right? And, like, you could have gotten you could have gotten your guy that you could be up in there in a you have tail end RB one type of deal that you drafted in the fourth round. And you kind of have your wide receiver room all set. You have your, your standout quarterback there. And then you take the, yeah, you, you take the guys that, that fall back there. Um, and yeah, there, there's a chance that you probably get, you know, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, maybe somebody like that, that falls back to you there. So, but that would have probably been the one that, yeah. that the, the one that I would have pivoted there. I probably did wait one round too long to go to running back. Yeah, I mean, where you where you started there though with Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Rashad White, like you definitely got guys that will have volume there and, and should should produce for you week in week out. You just are a, you just may not get those guys that that you know ex- propel your team up there uh, to win to winning weeks, but probably won't lose you the week either. So. No. Cool. Any other thoughts on the uh, zero RB for Superflex? All right, Kevin, you're back up with the RB heavy in Superflex. I hated this draft. I could tell when you were going through it. This was pretty. This was pretty rough. This was 
painful. This yeah. was painful. So started out with Austin Eckler um, in the first round, followed it up with Deshaun Watson in the second. Um, with it being a super flex, I knowing that quarterbacks were were coming off, I I probably chased that one just a touch too much. Like I probably should have realized that on the way back up, like not many teams were going to go their second quarterback in their first three picks. And I could have done something a little different. And so honestly, that was probably the start of my demise. Um, But going RB heavy, I accomplished that. Eckler in the first, Jacobs in the back end of the third, Najee in the beginning of the fourth, excuse me, beginning of the fourth. So my running backs are set. Like I feel good about that room. I am positionally advantaged, right? (laughs) As we've been talking about. I feel good about that. I will take my top three running backs against anybody else's in this entire league. That's about the end of where my good things go. Um, In hindsight, I didn't necessarily have to take Najee. I could have waited for Joe Mixon and grabbed a better receiver in in the fourth round, maybe a Devonta Smith, um, uh, maybe a Calvin Ridley even, you know, something in that nature to, to go there. It's not how I did it. So I ended up with my first two wide receivers in the fifth and sixth round being Amari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. If I trusted Tennessee's offense, (laughs) like I want Hopkins to be good. Realistically, do I feel like he finishes inside the top 24? Yes, I do. But I don't know that I was comfortable with it. It was it was a it was a position of need at that moment. And so I went ahead and grabbed it, but by sacrificing that, um, you know, I missed out on a lot of second quarterbacks, right? And so I went that and then I finally took my second quarterback in the seventh with Bryce Young. I was debating between Bryce Young, Tyler Lockett to help solidify my R or my wide receiver room, or Jordan Love. And I pulled the trigger. I don't have many shares of Bryce Young. I knew that I'd have to come back quickly and grab my third quarterback to kind of balance that out a little bit and protect myself in my super flex. Um, So David Montgomery in the eighth, I was happy with that, right? It protects me from injury. It protects me if Josh Jacobs decides to sit out. David Montgomery fills that that flex role for me, and I'm okay with that. I can can live through that. So I like the Monty pick. And then in the ninth, I went Kenny Pickett. Um, Not pounding my chest proud about that, but I had, I felt like I had to take Kenny Pickett in the ninth to protect my Bryce Young pick. And I could at least play matchups in my super flex because I had waited for my second quarterback a little bit longer than probably what I wanted to. Um, So had to play around with that, but, Follow that up with Elijah Moore. Again, I like that. I like having uh, that little mini stack with him and Deshaun Watson. Plus, I like all the things that I'm hearing out of Browns camp about Elijah Moore. Um, The scary thing is I have two Browns on my roster, like two Brown wide receivers on my roster, right? I I now have Amari Cooper and I have Elijah Moore. Not good roster management to have two wide receivers from the same team. So unless they're both – you know, Philadelphia Eagles or Miami Dolphins, it's probably not going to pan out overly well for you. So I'm going to have to navigate that, but maybe I get lucky and can, you know, pair Elijah Moore and 
one of my other quarterbacks up and upgrade at wide receiver or upgrade at quarterback, possibly if someone's quarterback goes down. So there's options there. And then after Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore went Elijah Mitchell, just to kind of make sure I had a piece of that San Francisco rushing offense. Elijah Mitchell was going late enough. I didn't necessarily love anything else that was sitting around me. I could have gone tight end, um, but decided to wait one more round where I got Gerald Everett. Super happy about that. I, I am okay with the Gerald Everett pick. And then I went high upside wide, wide receivers to kind of wow, round out that room for me. Um, so I went Zay Jones, who had a really good year, finishes, I think, wide receiver 24 with Trevor Lawrence last year. If he's going to finish right around that fringe wide receiver two territory, I feel like that's a pretty good pick there in the 13th. So I like the upside that can be um, involved with that in case of injury or if I need to put him into my flex spot in certain weeks. And then Paris Campbell in the 14th. Again, someone from the Giants has to catch all these balls. Someone. Is Isaiah Hodgins? Is it Paris Campbell? Is it Wondell Robinson once he comes back? Is it Jalen Hyatt who is, as a rookie, is going to, take the league by storm. I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's between Hodgins and Campbell. And so I went ahead and, and dipped my finger back in the Paris Campbell well after I said I wasn't going to do it. But in the, what, 14th round, it, it's an easy drop at that point, I felt like. So did that and then followed up with a pair of uh, a pair of Dolphins in the defense and Jason Saunders, their kicker. So I didn't love this one, guys. Like I felt like I chased a little bit more than what I wanted to. I felt like the the RB heavy approach. It, it yes, I'm out of balance, right? I mean, you're heavy into one position, but I felt like it made me really take some big flyers at the end of the draft and guys that I'm probably not going to have in my roster most weeks, and I'm because of I'm because of not having them in my roster, I'm going to miss the big weeks where they do blow up. Like there, there's just a lot of things about this where. I'm looking at this roster and I see holes, right? I see holes where I'm going to have to hit the waiver wire. I see holes where I'm going to have to find trade partners. Like I am going to have to build the rest of this team out because I did not draft a team where I can sit and go, okay, for the first five weeks, I'm going to see how everything shakes out. I don't feel like I have that. I feel like I have two weeks worth of, okay, I'm going to let this shake out real quick. And then I'm going to try and make some quick moves of people who maybe got a slow start, have to take a gamble on a trade, things like that to improve my roster. Um, Cause I know I need some help at receiver Gerald Everett. I'm okay with it tight end, but I'm ultimately going to end up dropping Jones or Campbell. It feels like to stream a tight end. If I want to keep Everett on my roster, um, and in Kellen Moore's offense, I do want to keep Everett on my roster. I really like him this year. So um, it was not the most comfortable draft I've had. Um, and in hindsight, I probably would run this through. I, I would probably run this through a lot differently, honestly, guys. Like I would probably run through and I'd probably not do Deshaun in the second. Bijan, for whatever reason, was still on the board. I probably would have gone RB heavy that way. I probably would have gone Eckler, Bijan and then a quarterback, and then tried to fill out the rest of my roster and see if I like it any better. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, I feel like um, both of these, like, we, you know, the strategy for for Derek playing balanced in the super flex 
in that one spot really, really, really uh, paid off for him. Um, going the zero RB approach in the sixth spot was fine. And there was, you know, really there was, it was one pick that kind of derailed the rest of my draft. And, and Kevin, it was just, I mean, it was just, again, maybe, maybe that one pick there in the second round that kind of put you in a bind and, um, uh, really wanted to, uh, to probably go back and, and redo there. Um, but overall, I think employing these strategies in a single quarterback, um, you can really, you can really come away with some good, with some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some, something to be said about being able to, to rock and roll like an RB heavy or zero RB and plays out incredibly well in a single QB league. Superflex uh, gets a little bit tougher um, to do that. And you've got to be able to navigate that, uh, you know, definitely a little bit differently on that one, just because of quarterbacks going, instead of being able to wait all the way into the, you know, the eight, nine, tenth round to, to pull off your quarterback, like you're going to have to, you're going to have to rock and roll something different there, or you're going to have to really just kind of give up on the position and hope that you, know, you, you end up taking three guys in the you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round type of thing to try and round that out and, and do it that way. And you're, you're kind of struggling and just playing, trying to play the matchup between three uh, quarterbacks on, you know, tier three, tier four, tier five type of type of QBs yeah. there. So uh, definitely gets a little bit tougher on that for sure. Uh, any other thoughts here on any of the draft strategies? Uh, I, I think each each one has its pluses and minuses, right? Now, you know, we could shake this up and change strategy and position, right? Like it would look a lot different if you're really trying to hyper-focus in on, you know, being balanced at the back end or being zero RB at the back end than what it looked like with mine going RB heavy, right? Like it's just, it, it is, it is what it is um, as far as each draft being a little bit different and each strategy working until it doesn't. Right. And, and ultimately I think Alex and I more so with the super flex league showed it, it shows you have to be a little fluid, right? Like you can come in with a game plan in mind, but you have to be able to pivot and flow throughout the draft. Because if you pigeonhole yourself in, like we purposely did for this exercise, neither one of us are extremely happy with this draft. Whereas Derek, yes, being at the top end of the draft helps, but really in any position, if you have a strategy, but you're able to be fluid and you're not chasing runs and you're able to just construct the best roster in, in a balanced type format, um, you know, especially with super flex leagues, it, it really is beneficial to you. So, um, you know, these, they're examples. They're examples. Some things we did right. Some things we did wrong. Some things we would each do differently if, if, we were in different roles and, and the same concepts, but um, ultimately if, if as soon as you start chasing, right. And as soon as you start feeling like you're behind somewhere, 
your your decision making process becomes a little bit weaker, right? Because once you start chasing, you hyper focus in on what you're chasing after, and you could leave other things on the board, and you make a hasty decision that around later you're going, "Dang it, why did I do that?" And and that's a tough position to be in in a draft because then you focus on it and you're constantly trying to fix your mistake unless you can kind of clear the memory bank and go, okay, we're starting from here going forward. I think, I think what I liked the most about it too, was that we did pick in the same spot and the difference in league really showed the difference in uh, available players uh, when you were, when it was your turn to pick um, and, and the value of those players and how different they, they were, you know, based on the different league. Um, because I think a lot of times, you know, you think that you're picking in, you know, the first, the first pick, the sixth pick, the, the 12th pick, um, I, depending on what type of league it is, I mean, they're, they're different players that are, have different valuations at, at those spots. And so I, that's what I really enjoyed was seeing the different, you know, players that, that we each ended up with, despite the fact that we were picking in the same spot. The only thing that changed was the, the, the one position uh, and adding that super flex in there, uh, which as we all know, you know, for the most part going to be a second quarterback. Um, so I, I, that was, that was a very fun, fun thing to see just like how different the rosters did construct. And, and I was still able to get some of the same players that I, that I got in the single quarterback you know they were still around, but there it was a stretch at some points to get them, or it felt like I caught a break to get them. Yeah, and one of the things that that definitely will help you, right? Like, you know, I, Kevin, I believe you said that stay fluid when you're when you're drafting there, right? And being able to pivot where you need to pivot and things like that. One of the things that certainly will help you do that when it comes you know time for your fantasy draft is to have your positions broken up into tiers. And that's one of the things that you know we've talked about extensively is uh, being able to to draft by tiers and know where your tiers are, and that will help you um, come draft time there. But let's kind of quickly just kind of go around here because we're going to dive super deep into the tiers next week. But just kind of quickly hit up some of the points on you know uh, how you kind of look at some of the tiers and maybe where you know how you go about constructing your own tier uh, base there. And we'll actually get in and break down the tiers next week. So I am, I'm a big proponent of tiers and, and taking the time to set it out and, and whether you have your notepad next to you during the draft or whether you just kind of look over it and you have ideas of, of guys that, okay, these X amount of players I like in this range. So the benefit to that is um, if, if the guy that you're eyeballing right? Gets, gets taken right in front of you, right? You get sniped. Um, it, it happens. God knows it happens every time almost by round when Derek and I are drafting side by side with each other and we just kind of text each other back and forth going, damn you. Um, but it does help you pivot over to, um, another player in that position. If that's where you feel like your position of need is and that's where the value is, or even at times, if you have your big like 250 board, right, a, a different position, but can still add value to your roster. So um, it's all about what what is acceptable in that range. And everybody's tiers are going to be slightly different, right? Some people might only have 
three tiers for quarterbacks. Some people might have seven tiers for quarterbacks, right? Just depending on how you're breaking that down. Same thing. Tight ends is a big one where you'll see a lot of difference. And we'll, and we'll kind of show you that, right? Like everybody's kind of subscribed on this show, at least to it's Travis Kelsey or bust. Like he is in a tier by himself, but how many guys fall into tier two? Is it two guys? Is it three guys? Is it four guys? And then what does it look like after that? Same thing, especially with these wide receivers. Wide receivers in rounds two, three, and four, right? There's a lot of wide receivers taken in rounds two, three, and four, but where where's the appropriate time to pivot? Who are guys that you're, you're going after that you like? And who are guys going in that round or in that round range where you were willing to give them up, right? Debo Samuel is is was on the um on the duds list right or don't list he is a guy that for this show we are not actively targeting Debo Samuel right so when we do our tier rankings we are going to have him much lower than a lot of other people do we don't like the situation we've explained that in the player profile breakdown that you can find on YouTube we touched on it tonight in the beginning segment of the show we will show that next week as we kind of get into breakdowns of these, but it's, it's the ability to stay fluid and pivot and not necessarily look at your draft board and go, well, crap. Now what? And now you're sitting there and the clock's down to 10 seconds. And then you just grab a guy and then you hate your decision for the rest of the draft. Yeah. I think the, the, the best way to look at it is, um, trying to get the best value at, at that position um, and knowing where the value breaks are. Like we call them tier breaks, but it's, it's a value break. There's a big drop off between, you know, player A to player D, but is it as big of a drop off between player A and player B or is player B to player D, you know, kind of in that same, are they negligible in what they're, you know, their difference in value is. So um, that that's really what the tier drafting is, is, is all about knowing the value of that positional group of those players in that group and how they stack up against other position groups and where you can get the most value from. So um, it's, it's a very, very, it's one that we've, you know, we've been harping on this show since basically we started. Uh, and it's one that has allowed at least my co-hosts, uh, to win plenty of cash and trophies, um, if you employ this draft strategy, you know we talked we talked about draft strategies tonight. But like having having a good tier list, it's 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 crucial if if you want to get a leg up on everybody else in your league going into draft night. Right, and yeah, it, the tier list, and we'll show this next week, of of course. But the tier list will definitely break out very different depending upon who's doing it, right? Like, I know one of the ways that I set up my tier list is I go through and tend to to stat out and player project, you know, every single player out there for a for a roster that tends to be fantasy relevant, right? And then I kind of go through and I I put them on a hey, I, I think this group of guys is going to be within, you know. 20 or 30 points of each other at the end of the season fantasy, you know, in fantasy points when it's all said and done. And that way when I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm drafting and I've got that group of guys there, I go, okay, cool. 
Um, I know that each one of these guys will be within probably a point or two um, of each other on a weekend week out basis. And then I can pivot and go from there. But um, yeah. And, and then, you know, some folks will go through and put that in there and they'll just kind of base it on some rankings. And I, I know some guys out there that go, okay, cool. I'm doing this position group is, you know, these five guys, then the next five guys and the next five guys. And they just kind of, you know, break it out there. So, you know, again, kind of each your own and we'll go into you know how we kind of go about that and how we kind of determine that as well as breaking out the tiers and where our tier lists kind of are for uh, across the positional groups there. So should be a lot of fun. Make sure that you're tuning in and rocking and rolling with us on that one. But guys, any final thoughts out there for the viewers and listeners? Uh, like, subscribe, follow. Um, we are dumping player profiles all over YouTube thanks to our wonderful um program management and editing team, um, AKA Mr. Derek. Uh, we appreciate that. So uh, if, if you have any questions about a guy, you know, you can find our initial takes on YouTube. Feel free to hit us up with questions, um, drafting trades, uh, anything that you guys need as far as fantasy advice or someone to bounce opinions off of. We're here to help and we, we love interacting with you all. So thank you much. Absolutely. All righty. Alex, give me the head shake. He's good to go. All right. So that's going to do it for us. Kevin just said it. Make sure that you hit the like subscribe button, head over to the YouTube, youtube.com slash at good old boys. FF hit that subscribe button, bring that notification bell. Like I said, we've got seven, eight videos a day getting released to help y'all through your player profiles and getting your draft strategies ready to rock and roll. So make sure you're heading over there and getting that done. But that's going to do it for us tonight. All the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at good old boys. FF. He's Kevin. He's Alex. I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe to lose.